Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 27th of June 2022. These are busy time. It's our year end coming up. We've got Futures Week piling out the store. We've got Malting Barley getting to the end of our stock deliveries on that, although some of that's creeping into July, which is slightly in the way now. Harvest is looming. It is absolutely staring us in the face. We will see barley in, I don't know, 10, 14 days time max. So the heat is on for storekeepers. We've got plenty of empty stores, but we've also got plenty of silos and sheds with grain still in them. So it is a little bit exciting. Anyone who doesn't run a store has the benefit of kind of kicking their heels this time of year and not really having that much going on. But let me tell you, I'm even going to go in a bin later on the day with a shovel, so it's all hands on deck around here. Meanwhile, Webby's fishing in somewhere in Scotland. Anyway, cheers, Webby. We'll start with a market that has collapsed. It has absolutely gone to the floor. In the week up to this point of recording, the futures have dropped on wheat, in pounds per tonne, £31.30. So there's a dramatic drop in values. And if you want to be even more surprised or shocked by how much a market can move in five trading days, look no further than the oilseed rate market on Matif, where the market has dropped €120 Euros at time of recording from the close on the Friday night to where we are this morning. So that's pretty epic stuff. So the prices are going to be a bit different this morning, and the tale of woe will also be a little upsetting. So, where should we start? Old crop wheat. I value old crop wheat at £260 a tonne. Don't really want it. Got plenty of it, thanks very much. Anything I buy will probably end up going into a store to be stored ready for next harvest. And I don't really want that because it's kind of, you know, an invitation to have bugs and such like on site. However, that is a value. It's still epically good considering where we started, but it is, you know, 100 quid off where we were at one point. Feed barley, that is a good one. I don't really want old crop feed barley either. So 240 is a rough value. It's a harvest value, really. Yeah, I mean, what is it to say? It's all over by the shouting, and there certainly isn't going to be a late harvest. We did call an early harvest a while ago. We shaped our book accordingly, but even we are incredibly surprised by the volume of old crop wheat that's left. It's coming out of every orifice. There's a number of farmers who, oh, yes, (laughs) I forgot about that bit. I mean, they're now saying, oh, oh, that's right, I'll sell it for new crop. You know, the save of face. Oh, prices of new crop are the same, I'll sell it for then. Will they? It's all very well saying you're going to sell it. And the question you have to ask yourself is, will new crop prices continue to drop? If that's the case, it's all very well choosing to not sell it for July and sell it for August. But, you know, hey, let's get on with doing if that's your decision. So, old crop, all over. Let's talk about new crop. So, values are the same. I I value feed wheat 260x, I value feed barley 240x-ish. That is a dramatic fall off. 
this is the worst one in terms of values for farmers. The oilseed rate price at time of recording is 540 for harvest movement delivered to store, which is an epic drop. Immense pressure. I think our assessment is there's very clearly funds and non-commercials are liquidating their positions. There is a global economic strain being felt everywhere. Bigger Russian wheat crop being reported and better than expected US wheat crops as they're getting into harvest. This is all putting pressure on. The Germans are asking for biofuel mandate to be temporarily suspended to help fight against inflation. All of these things are, I mean, maybe maybe somebody secretly knows the Germans will get their way in Europe. That would make a change. If that being the case, then that's probably one of the major reasons why the rapeseed prices dropped so much. But you know, you've got the Ukraine exporting 2 million tonnes a month, whereas pre-war they're at 6 million tonnes a month. There's several things putting pressure on the market. Now, let's all remember, let's keep a clear head on this, how much we've dropped in a very short space of time. Several consumers have done nothing in terms of buying, and it is massively cheaper than they were budgeting only a week ago, and two weeks ago and three weeks ago. So just maybe it'll start to get attractive to them, bearing in mind where the price has been. Our friend Vlad, he gets a great benefit from to exert pressure on the world. If he can restrict grain movements because he's got kind of control of the surplus, then it's very beneficial to him, bearing in mind everyone's sanctioning him and doing all these, sticking their tongues out at him as brave as they get. But, you know, he could easily take out the railroads in Ukraine. He could take out the river loading facilities. He could make it very difficult for the Ukraine to export and thus, you know, put us back to square one in terms of what we're expecting to get from that country. So politically, it's in his interest to make it or continue for it to be difficult, especially as he has a bigger crop and that will make his crop worth more money. So let's, you know, let's be commercial and pretend we have nuclear warheads or something. No, just plain old rockets. Take out the opposition. I could take out Frontier's office a couple hundred yards away. We should survive the blast. And I'd be the only silos in the Hailsham. But wouldn't be very nice, would it? Anyway, commercially it might work. So today we're going to move on. It's We haven't got out and about because of the volume of work that's going in the office and the holidays we're all taking. So after the advert... We're going to have a conversation with our political correspondent, Ben Chadlehall, to discuss the two by-elections that occurred last night. So look forward to that. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. The Aylsham Show is back. Bank holiday Monday, the 29th of August. The central theme to this year's show is highlighting Norfolk's importance as a primary food producer. Visitors will find something that caters to all tastes, from animal exhibitions and competitions to main ring displays, classic cars and agricultural vehicles, plus an extensive food and cookery zone, all in the beautiful surrounding of Blickling Park. The Elsham Show, Bank Holiday Monday, 29th of August. We look forward to seeing you there. Okay, this morning it's Ben and I. Ben is our political correspondent, as you know. So, Ben, good morning. Good morning. Right, we're going to discuss how many members of the Conservative Party have to resign before Boris realises that, in fact, he might just possibly be a bit of a liability. He doesn't need them. They could all resign and (laughs) he'll be fine because he needs to get Brexit done. (laughs) That'll cause the usual outrage. So last night, for the historical record, two by-elections. One of them had been a Tory seat for 100 years with a 24,000 people majority, and they lost it to the Lib Dems with a just under 5,000 person majority to the Liberals. So 29,000 people swing. swing. And the Tory 
sort of faithful who've been on telly today have been protecting it how? What have they been saying? Well, it's the usual, look, this is the midterm blues, you know, it was to be expected, don't worry about it, we've got a job to do, we're moving on. I think people are still trying to work out what that job is that they're doing. All they keep saying is how hard they're working, but, you know, are we- they working effectively, Andrew? Well, yeah, probably they, you know, they've got Brexit done and they are focusing on not answering the questions as far as I can see because the, the ones I heard this morning were basically being asked very direct questions about Rwanda in the case of our friend Pretty Patel mm. and she decided to talk about a different country. Which one did she talk about? I don't know. The Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> So anyone who's asked a question and it gets a bit difficult, word has it that they instantly talk about the Ukraine, don't they? I will just say this. I am not an out-and-out anti-Tory person, but they've just completely lost their way. Yeah. The other problem they've got is that Rishi Sunak, the multi-billionaire chancellor, when he did all this generating cash, he directly linked it to the Bank of England base rate. Mm-hmm. And then, unlike, you know, a frugal homeowner who locks in their mortgage at a low percentage rate, he could have locked in the percentage rate. Apparently, the Bank of England did say to him, you can borrow this money and we can lock the interest rate out, and he didn't do it. And, of course, now the Bank of England are putting interest rates up every month, and our debt on the interest of the loan is astronomical. See, I don't see the relevance of him. I don't mind him being a multi-billionaire at all. No, true. I think that journalists focus on that, and it's irritating, because I think he's a a well-meaning, capable guy who happens to be incredibly wealthy. He's cleaner, and he's motivated, obviously, by power, because he wants to... He's got... He could do all sorts of things with that money, but he's focused on doing a job for the people. That is a bit naive, you're right. As someone who's had a mortgage, it is great if you can lock into an incredibly low rate, almost knowing that interest rates are going to go up. He should have known that, shouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, it was almost inevitable. And I think, you know, this wider macroeconomic climate, the fallout from... So Germany yesterday instigated the first part of their gas rationing plan, which they've never done in the history of the German economy. Mm. So alarm bells are ringing now in Europe. You know, it's not that the UK is the sick man of the world, but... Everybody has got a problem. The world is in recession, and this war, this supply of energy has definitely put lots and lots of countries under pressure, and the world is in recession. That's it. So, yes, we are not alone, but it's the prediction for our country just is is particularly dire, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Radio 4 this morning, Dominic Rob. because I think the biggest shock for the Tories was was Oliver Dowden resigning at 5.30 this morning. Yeah, which meant Dominic Rob had to come in, <laughs> yeah. lastminute.com, and they, yeah. he got the phone call and said, right, you know, he's resigned, you're the man going in. I bet he went, thanks. <laughs> Good one. Yeah, OK. What can I talk about? Ukraine. <laughs> Well, yeah, obviously they got him in and it was absolutely telling that he actually went down the route of, we're going to get on with it. The Radio 4 guy was saying, what are you getting on with? And he went, well, the, the high wage, the high growth UK economy. And it was like, yeah, hang on a minute, what high wages? <laughs> There's a problem. The problem isn't in the high wage economy, the problem is in the low wage economy. There isn't people to do the jobs in all these coffee shops, coffee shops have a turnover of staff of an unbelievable number because, A, that there's nobody going in to get coffee, so there's so many choices. But they just flip between these, you know, people are fighting for staff at a certain salary level, yeah. which is certainly not the high-wage economy. No, and I think, obviously, Johnson's in Rwanda. 
he'll probably stay there for as long as he can. <laughs> Have a chat with Prince Charles. Yeah. And <laughs> which, you know, Prince Charles shouldn't actually make political comment. No. And he has made political comment. Yes, you know? and then, of course, and he, the he Queen would, would never do that. She might think her thoughts, but she certainly would never share them. And I don't think Charles is going to maintain that ability. I think he's always going to, you know, yeah, he's, he's like the spider letters, doesn't he? Yeah. Global recession, yes, but let's be blunt, this week we have seen commodity prices really rocket down mm. and oil has come down, although not to the same degree. I think it feels like there's more of a drop on oil coming now. Well, that's great because we can buy our heating oil for the winter then. Yeah. And all of the things we're doing for the climate can just go straight out the window, can't they? Oh, that's the other thing Johnson announced. Apparently we're gonna, we potentially might start reopening coal mines. Did he? That would be great. We can have a strike with them and Scargill can turn up again. I can remember the 70s, obviously. You know, I can remember having power cuts. I remember disliking the strikers immensely. And I appreciate the Labour tactic of not mentioning this, uh, saying we don't we support this strike. It is a kind of dodgy piece of ground. It's, it's because of journalism nowadays, a little soundbite is enough to give it, Labour support the strikes, t- you know. And it would, nothing would suit Boris more than that, because the monster of the union supported by Labour, bringing the country to its knees, but we're standing strong in our Churchillian way, is a really good story for him to gain bone support from the, the usual people. Right, yeah. Strikers always, always irritate anyone of a certain age. Anyone now who's trying to catch a train and can't work out why there's not one there will begin to realise that other people can have an influence on their lives, which is kind of unfair. Mm. And, and it's that unfairness that is a very fertile ground for the media to dance in. It brings division. How dare they strike? There's a bigger issue coming, though, isn't there? Because BA workers have now voted to strike in the summer. That's massive. Mm. And my wife, who's a teacher, apparently their union is now saying to members, right, Get ready to strike. Do you think she should become a train driver and earn twice as much money? She said that. Well. She said I might become a train driver. The train drivers union, guys earning 60k driving a train, is not relative, in my opinion, of importance to a care worker. Now you could, oh, you don't know. I'm pretty sure I could sit at the front of the train and press the buttons and make it start and stop. And, you know, what else can you do? And then report, oh, no, we're we're still going. We've we've conked out. I hit a bird. Yeah, but I know it's dismissive, and I know they're talking about cutting jobs and all sorts of stuff. I think the rail workers' union are on a bit of dodgy ground. I don't understand. And there's there's other modernising things, you know, the, the line repairs. There is a more modern, allegedly a more modern system that actually can take so many photos a second of a line and really have proper analysis of whether it's, you know, by, oh, by running right. over the top of it, instead of having people walking up and down. Now, you physically need people walking up and down in case a log's fallen on the, on the track. Someone's got to move it, but... There's a dynamic within that, I get. But the rail companies have taken so much public money and put it in the pockets of the shareholders and not actually done their job. You know, So there is a very strong argument for the workers to be fed up with that. It's just relatively placed to nurses, care workers, teachers. teachers. Yeah. Are they really worth twice as much? I struggle with that one, and I'm, you know, thank goodness we haven't got any services in the county that so there's no one's going to come and hit me. You know, we've got the odd train, but that's about it. Not too many. (laughs) Is this going to be a summer of discontent? No, it's going to be a summer of riots. That's what it's going to be. There will be riots. You're saying always rings in my ears, Andrew. What's your famous saying? The man to fear 
well, yeah, that's one of my many millions, but the man to fear is a man with nothing. The guy who has nothing has got nothing to lose. And, you know, the reality of that is there are plenty of people who've got actually lots and lots of things. To put it in perspective, if you had a conversation with the Ukrainian ladies who live in our house, you know, who came over from the Ukraine, bearing in mind, you know, she, Yulia now has a job working for a local bakery. She's in there, you know, chopping up stuff all day long and on her feet all day. It's a reasonably, no, it's, it's a diddy salary. You couldn't live on it. You couldn't go and live in a separate house and pay the bills and have it. You couldn't live off it. Yeah. Although it's allegedly a living wage, the reality of what she earns. But if you say to her, what do you think about the UK? This is Disney World. This is the land of milk and honey. We are unbelievably wealthy. Yeah. We have everything. So all these people writing with their fat bellies and their dreadlocks and whatever they're going to do have got everything they want. It's discontent on the basis of... I don't know what. They can't afford the next Sky package <clears> or they don't... Want more? Want, yeah. And they're going to be fed up with the not being able to fly out of Gatwick because of the striking, you know, airplane workers when they're on strike themselves. Oh, I need my holiday. <laughs> I blame the government. No, you can blame the strikers if you want, really. But, yeah, if everyone's going to be saying, I want 11% pay increase, we're just this is going to turn into a complete banana republic. So you yeah. can't. So they've got to stand up to it, and it is going to be impossible to please... So if they want to strike, and everybody wants to go on strike, we're screwed. Don't worry, Andrew. I've spoken to Ian and Josh, and we don't want an 11% pay rise. Good. <laughs> Although you've probably got one, haven't you? Huh? Webby wants 20. <laughs> yeah, how is Webby's fishing? Have we heard? Has he actually caught a fish? I don't think he's caught it. <laughs> Has he caught a fish this decade? <laughs> right, he's not caught a fish, but... On the plus side, he hasn't dropped his phone in the river like he has every other year <laughs> and then phoned us from someone else's mobile going, what's the market doing? My phone's not working. <laughs> but he'll be back next week and, and it'll be uh, good to have him back. Well, at least if the river hasn't dried up like in Italy. The River Po in Italy, the biggest watercourse in Italy, in some places has dried up. Blimey. Yeah. In France, there was hailstones Ooh, yesterday. That, yeah. I didn't look at the footage. I watched some of the footage. It was incredible. You're worried about your wine stock now, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) No, because it's all in naked wines. Oh. But where else is there weird weather going on? Floods in India and Bangladesh. Ginormous floods. Afghanistan, you know, after starving to death, they've now got huge earthquakes. How do you feel about that one? How do you, you know, in all, oh, this is a yeah. contentious piece of ground, as ever, but I look at that and I'm, it's hideously terrible. But you but, feel that if you sent, you know, 500 quid to that particular cause, would it buy Kalashnikov for a... Pack of Semtex. Yeah. yeah. Is it going to get distributed? And they had this woman being interviewed on there. Well, could have been a woman. She was, she was completely covered. <laughs> oh, no. in, yeah, I know, but she was. It was like, you know, what on earth are they thinking? <laughs> It's madness. So, as Boris Johnson would do, say, letterboxes. Well, should we? <coughs> no, not even a letterbox. You can you had a mesh. It's like just just cloth. <laughs> if you think about it, it's it's nuts. How can one human being do that to another human being yeah. on the basis of she's a crazy tempestress because we saw her eyelash? You know, we're attempting oh, no. terrible fate here. But yeah, should we just turn the, all of that stuff off the telly and just have have stories about puppies or something on telly? And just cut the crap so we don't get depressed all the time and realise how shit the world is. Because it is, it is utterly depressing. I was in quite a good mood, but... <laughs> well, you know, give us a story from the news in the last week that is really positive. 
guns in New York. They just, just had mass shootings, and the New York just with the Republican lawmakers. Have said, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Supreme Court has now said yes, you can all carry concealed guns, yeah, which hasn't been the case for the last hundred years. No, madness, right? And, okay, all right. And then did you see that one of the real nutter Republican lady? I can't remember what her name is. The blonde-haired little. Oh, Marjorie who, Taylor Greene, I think she's yeah, called. Yeah, she, she had a pop at the Channel 4 uh, news Told her to go back to her country. Javon, yeah. It, well, she said, you know, you, you get mass killings in London. Well, stabbings, you, that's not really comparable, is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it is. You need to go back to your country, I think. It's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, OK. I mean, I don't think there is hope, but I'm just struggling now. <laughs> I don't... Look, I'll tell you what, what can we focus on? UK agriculture, we can focus on something to celebrate. The July-London wheat contract, thanks to doing grain. One lot. One lot traded. hundred tonnes. Every single month had a tenderable tonnage on it, and we have delivered the contract today. It's uh, Ailsham, whoever the lucky winner is. And, you know, it's pristine, fantastic wheat waiting for your collection. I mean, in fact, please collect it this <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah. It'd be great. But, yeah, just a, a note on that. If anyone queries the relevance and everyone goes, oh, they're no good, those futures. Everybody quotes them every yeah. single day. They go up, people say, oh, futures are up, futures are down. And they won't or will trade on the back of it. But more importantly, this year, when the Ukraine was invaded by Russia in March which was, it was around the tender day for March futures. There was not particularly any position on the March futures. But because of the dynamic movement in the market, there was a point at which people could get supply of physical wheat from somebody like us, who said, right, we're now kind of in freeze frame. We, we can't have a futures position because we can't afford the margin calls that are going every single day. May is a month and a half away. What the hell are we going to do? And it created a liquidity that the rest of the market, which was completely in freeze frame, no one knew. Paralysed, yeah. yeah. absolutely <clears throat> paralysed. We were able to say, well, relative to where the market is apparently bidding, here's some wheat. Here's yeah. some physical wheat. For us, we were able to get the ball rolling, get liquidity in our market, pay farmers, etc., give them a market value that was real. And it actually made the market function in a time of utter despair. And everybody who's criticised that contract and probably hasn't done any thinking about it, that particular moment was phenomenally important. Yeah. So when people try and drop March's contract out of the system, go, oh, we don't need them, they know one trades them. The reality is when the shit hits the fan, you there. need something to make the market liquid. And it worked. Yeah. All right? As for all the other inventions that they invented last year against that, the bankruptcy that occurred because of, you know, lack of checks, wherever you want to nail the blame, all of the new ideas are completely stupid. They're a waste of everybody's time. And anyone who's a storekeeper is dancing round and round in circles because some plonker in London on a blank piece of paper thought they'd better write some new rules out, which is totally, let me put on the record... Totally mindless. For better now. Anyway, right. I, I don't feel better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. Okay, but yes, the futures market absolutely nailed it. Absolutely. And yeah, we'll keep trading them and, you know. Yeah, good. Long live London futures. Long live London futures. Long live <clears throat> storekeepers. Power to the people. The other thing to be really positive about is harvest is going to start. The weather forecast looks like it's going to be reasonable leading into it. We will start the harvest. He predicts terrible weather about to occur. Oh, yeah, this is a bad one. But it looks like we're going to get something cut without there being some hideous, disastrous weather pattern. So, Hang on, it, which date? I'm going to say 5th of July. I think Norfolk delivery points won't see anything before 
mm, it depends what time, what day, July, the, yeah, that week that something will come into a store somewhere. Certainly 10 days from now, yeah, 14 days from now, we'll be seeing barley cut, yeah. I mean, obviously there's little bits of rain coming on, but it looks like there will be a bit of a break between the winter barley and everything else, which would be useful. But the rest of it, depending on what the weather does, it would be convenient if there was a good long break in between the winter barley and the <laughs> spring. But at the moment, very optimistic about the size of the crop. Not totally sure about the quality of the winter malting barley, but very confident about the size of the spring barley crop. And prices of malting barley are still really, really good. And no one dare commit because they don't know what spec they're going to get. So, you know, we'll wait. I think we'll carry on. Politics much the same. Boris will still be Prime Minister next week. And how many ministers will resign in the meantime? With that, have a lovely week. Yep, we look forward to, well, you getting delivery of your new combine. Has it come into the country or are you one of the people who aren't going to get it? That's the next problem. (laughs) Anyway, that's not our problem. No. So, with that, have a good week. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.